Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay, are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to uh, Habs Unfiltered, episode 177. I'm your host, Blaine Putney. I'm joined now by my co-hosts, Matt Smith. Afternoon. And Treg Wilson. Good afternoon. Uh, we are recording. It is Thursday evening, the 29th of July, the day after free agent frenzy. Uh, things are still happening, so we'll just get caught up on what has happened so far. Um, we are going to... In this episode, we're not going to discuss Molson's letter or sponsors or all uh, any of that kind of stuff. We're going to stick solely to the hockey aspect. We'll tackle those uh, those um, uh, subjects in our next episode when we have some more time because the three of us are all pretty busy at this time of year. Our our uh, holidays and our families and there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of family time that we got to get caught up on. So. We'll just dive into it for this episode. We're going to talk about the uh, free agents that have signed and have left. So why don't we begin with those who showed up? We will start with David Savard. So uh, Matt, give us your thoughts on the uh, the surprise arrival of David Savard. I think we all knew <laughs> that this one was coming. Um, everyone was talking about it. Uh, you've got a... You needed a defenseman to fill Weber's shoes. I don't think that uh, I don't think that this is really the one that does it because of the uh, the lack of offense that comes from Savard. But he's you know he's a steady physical stay-at-home defenseman. He'll provide some uh, he'll provide a little bit of offense here and there. But he's more or less uh, um, another guy that's going to be like a Sherratt or uh, or an Edmondson. Maybe just that is little. an as- that is an aspect of Weber's game that's been miss that's going to be missing. That's true, but he's also not going to be he's not he's not going to be the guy that's going to be jumping up into the power play and stuff like that. So no, uh, I, that's why I kind of see why they they went after Hoffman and everything like that. But 
I like David Savard. He's going to be a, he's going to be a minute eater. He's going to provide some leadership to the team that has now lost a, quite a bit of it. And uh, I, I, I think that uh, it's, it's a good pickup. I like the contract. Um, it, you know, if, if they, they got the, they got him for the same amount as, uh, as, as both the guys I just mentioned. So it's the exact same contract yeah. Edmondson signed last year. Yeah. So I welcome him to the team. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he, uh, he shines in Montreal and, um, He's reunited with uh, one of his old teammates in Josh Anderson. So hopefully there's a little bit of familiarity there and uh, he does well with his time with the Canadians. He also, he, he left some money on the table. There were other offers that he was, be, you know, he was being given and he turned them down to take less money in Montreal. So that it shows that Montreal is becoming more of a destination. I'm, I'm sure it helped that he and his wife are from the area and they wanted to bring their kids into that culture, into that, that region. So still he took less money and I, I see that as a positive and uh, Treg, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, he's not going to replace Weber. No one's going to replace Weber, but uh, he's going to replace Weber on the power uh, on the penalty kill. So you got to look at Savard as the, uh, the guy that's going to be in Weber's spot on the penalty kill. You're going to see Edmondson and Petrie take a bigger role as the top two defensemen in the, in the instead of Sherratt and Weber, I think it's going to be Petrie and Edmondson. Could be wrong. I mean, they could throw Sherratt in with them, but I think they paired off well together last year. Uh, you'll see Sherratt, I think, with Savard. And Savard's going to give you 20 to 23 minutes a game. Uh, he averaged 20 minutes with Tampa. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's not going to lose you a game. He's not going to win you a game, but he's just going to be – I'm expecting an Edmondson-type player where he's just going to be a solid defenseman through the entire season. And yeah. He's, make... uh, he, he's going to eat up those defensive minutes that they lost with Weber. That that's how he's replacing him. He's going to do the penalty kill. He's going to play that physical game, clear the front of the net. Uh, people are, are, were worried about, Oh, how do we replace the number one defenseman? And I'm, we've said it many times on this show. Weber was not the number one defenseman anymore. It was Petrie. So Savard's really just replacing their, their, the other, uh, their main player on the second pair. And Savard's also a, um, a good complementary player to uh, younger puck movers and Romanov fits into that really well. So I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if those two are a pairing so he can mentor Romanov a little bit and kind of shelter him to let Romanov do what he does. And Savard's not a bad puck mover himself. He's good for his pass. Yeah, he, he's not. He's not like a. He's no Mete, but he's not a, <laughs> a, a bad puck mover. No, I mean he he's he needs to be paired up with a guy who can who's mobile. He needs and he can actually make a decent first pass. It's just he he's not a puck moving defenseman. No, there's no question about that. And the the need is still there, so maybe this points to Romanov getting a bigger role or they're setting him up to allow him to take on a bigger role or Norlander making the team off in the off season. That's that a good was, point. They, they did that was mentioned by Bergevin uh, yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's going to have every chance to make the team right out of camp. I don't expect it. No, neither do I, but it was and brought up. He, they also have Weidman uh, moving on to the next uh, free agent signing. That was a complete surprise. 
for those who can't uh, see my, my facial expressions, that's pure sarcasm. Um, so Chris Weidman comes in from the KHL. Uh, people may recognize the name. He played for the Ottawa Senators. He just Ubered his way down to, uh, to the Canadians. And someone got the joke, but not Matt. Matt missed that one. I shook my head. <laughs> I shook my head. I, I personally don't see Weidman being any more than a sixth, seventh defenseman. And that's uh, what he is. He's just depth. Yeah. Uh, although he did lead the KHL, I think, in scoring for defensemen. But, yes. Uh, and he um, won their Defenseman of the Year award. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe he changed his game around. The KHL isn't quite the NHL, but uh, he'll be a good – he'll he'll be like play the Kulak role, I think, uh, this season. Uh, and you'll see probably see Kulak as your regular 5-6 defenseman. That, that's where I see it anyway. Yeah, especially now that, uh, um, yeah, Merrill just signed with Minnesota. As we're talking, Merrill just signed with Minnesota. So that's a huge loss, I know, to a lot of fans out there. Uh, the mullet is gone. The day the mullet left. Yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... It's just depth. So that's another depth, uh, depth defense and that's gone. Um, <clears throat> uh, people t- uh, tend to forget as well that Brett Kulak is still on the roster. So he, he could be another guy that they put in on a third pairing and it could be Romanov pairing up with Sherratt. We, you know, I, I will say this too with uh, Wyman, he did have 31 points in 53 games with San Diego in the AHL last year. So, you're I mean, he was in KHL last year. No, I meant the year before 2019 yeah. 20. Yeah. So, he, he, in lesser leagues, he seems to do really well. <laughs> He's a depth yeah. puck mover. Yeah. That's, that's what he is. And he had his highest points in the NHL was uh, 2016 70 at 17 points in 76 games. He's a slightly more productive Mete. Yes, I'll give you that. And better defender. Yes, he is actually a better defenseman on the defensive side. Absolutely. But it's still, we're looking at a guy who's going to be sitting in the press box at a number seven and used to step into a number six role when needed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. The, uh, the next surprise signing is said that Ick Pocket who signed a one-year $950,000 deal. Uh, he came over from the uh, the bunch of jerks, the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, so he, he fills a couple of things. There's, there's a need for an energy player, check. Uh, they needed someone who can fill in a role as a, a 12th, 13th forward, check. He's from the area, check, check. So... I mean, it's a decent signing. At, at best, a fourth line player who can, he plays a physical brand, a brand of hockey. He can win some face-offs. He can play on the wing. He's versatile. He can come in and out of the lineup. He won't cause any problems in the room. And from his press conference uh, yesterday, absolutely wants to be in Montreal. He says he'll go through, through a wall for the team. He's the new Douglas Murray. <laughs> uh, he's going to give good depth at center anyway, like uh, especially when you have three young guys that are probably taking over the top three spots if they don't make any more moves. 
Um, so he'll give you that veteran kind of presence and he can play the wing if need be. So he can play, you know, even though Montreal right now went from having barely any wingers to having a whole shit ton of wingers. Yes. Um, yeah. And there's still some that need to be signed in Lekanen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a good move. Like I said, I don't think he'll be any more than a fourth uh, line player. Maybe step up every once in a while on the third line if need be. He can kill penalties if you really need him to, although I don't think they'll need him. But uh, yeah, a good depth signing. Now, it, it looks like this uh, this contract kind of pushed out who was someone who became a fan favorite, and that's Corey Perry, who left for Tampa Bay signing a two-year deal for a million dollars per year, according to ESPN. Um, Apparently, Bergevin had an offer sheet, an offer sent to him. Yeah. I'm going to assume he had one. It was a one-year deal. And from what's uh, come out in the last couple hours, yeah, it was a one-year deal around the same money. Yeah. Uh, there were two things to that. So he was missing that second year, and there was no guarantee that he was going to be given uh, a spot on the on the roster, a playing spot. So he was going to have to battle it out with Pocket for that twelfth position. Whereas in Tampa, because of the cap. He's guaranteed a spot. They lost an entire third freaking line for God's sakes. I just think I just think he wanted to another chance to win a cup, and he went to he went to a spot that um, pretty good chance. Once again, got helped out by another franchise and got bailed out for for their cap, and now they're <laughs> they're they're sitting on Brent Zebrook's contract, and you got six point eight seven million dollars of dead cap space. And his contract goes for another, I think, three years. So use it. good on Bre- good on Breezewall for doing it, but um, that's you know, deadline we, cap we, right we, there. We've you know, we've talked about this multiple times, and you know why do teams go out and, and help these teams out? But you know, Chicago jumped in and put on the prom dress and saved the day, I guess. But it is what it is. Well, uh, I mean- but yeah, like you you look at Corey Perry and like everyone thought Corey Perry was going back. And um, I would have obviously welcomed him back, but he uh, he signed a value contract. Let's just call it that with Tampa for the second year. And uh, a guy like, <coughs> excuse me, Bogosian did the same thing. Bogosian signed a three-year deal, making eight hundred and fifty k. Yeah. So these like guys are going to these destinations now. We're probably going to see it within a few other teams as well. Signing these cheap contracts, just trying to tank up some of these teams to do to do a cup run well it's not going to be a surprise to me if we see depth players signing term deals over the yep. next couple of years yep. i personally i don't i wouldn't have signed perry to two years i'm sorry but i wouldn't have. i mean it, they could easily waive him in the second year and not have a count against the cap they could so but at one million dollars there's no risk no nope. but you still got a one million dollars for two years I don't know. I just you get you get Suzuki's contract coming up. You get a bunch of other little things coming up. I, oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't have signed him for two years. And, uh, and That's I just totally my understand. Preference. Yeah, I totally understand why the the Canadians went with one year versus two, and Tampa going with their two years. And, and I know people are saying, well, everyone's giving them, you know, how, handing them favors, but they lost Yanni Gord. They lost. Uh, they lost Johnson. They lost Good their road. entire third line. Yeah, but they didn't um, lose. They didn't lose Johnson. They traded Johnson well, for that for that contract. Yeah, and they were well, lo- they were and they were looking to get rid of Johnson for a long time. 
for for the cap space, not because yeah. of his talents. So. He was their fourth line center. Johnson was a fourth line center there. It's no wonder they were as deep as they were. Savard was a third pairing defenseman. Like so why? So why hasn't Montreal given Byron to Chicago for nothing yet? I'm, I'm curious. I, I just want to know why. That's Byron's why the, not the, Chicago league, the league would probably step in and be like, "Oh, you can't do that." Well, everyone I mean, else is doing. Look at Arizona. I know. <laughs> I know. Look what Arizona. Seattle did with Vitek. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Arizona. Arizona got what three players and sent nothing back in return. No, but they traded. They traded away cap space. Cap space. Yeah. Which is a, at a, it's basically it's weight in gold. Um. So does this does Perry leaving mean that Tampa is going to lose the next two Stanley Cup Finals in a row? I mean, Corey Perry. Hopefully. Corey Perry beat him. Join him. Yeah. And drag them down with you to the you know (laughs) losing a Stanley Cup Final yet again. And again, I mean, I get why people are are upset about Perry, but yeah, I don't see it as that huge of a personally. I don't see it as that huge. Well, I mean, you you lump losing Perry leadership in. It's the leadership. You lost Weber. You lose Perry. Even Deneau, who we're going to get into now, decided, screw you, Montreal. I'm going to take an extra three million dollars over a six year period and go play in L.A., where the sun's shining all the time. Nobody knows who the hell I am. And there's no difference between what I'm doing here and what I'm doing there, except for more money. Well, the funny thing I find funny with that, Stefan Fisay put out a little, uh, if anyone doesn't remember that name, he was a <laughs> goaltender for the Quebec Nordiques and played three games for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Traitor. Uh, he said that he wanted to go there because he felt he wasn't going to get the offensive role in Montreal that he wanted. Well, I don't know where you're going to get the offensive role in L.A. with uh, Kopitar, Byfield, and all these other... Uh, Turcotte's uh, coming up. Turcotte, uh, that guy starts with a V. Velarde. Sorry, you're there to shut down McDavid and all the other guys in that division. You're not there to score goals. Hey, he said he was. Uh, they, they appreciated him more in L.A. And by that, I think he means they wanted to pay me more. Because the role he's going to get, you're right. He's going to get the exact same role in L.A. as he would anywhere else. He'll start as a second-line center and end up as the third or fourth-line center by the end of his contract. If they make the playoffs, he's down in the third line, guaranteed. And they might. They might. The Pacific is pretty weak, so they might. Um, yeah. So I, I wish him well. I, mean, I, I do, too. I like know. I liked him when he was here, but... I don't think Deneau understands what his actual role is in the NHL. And uh, he wants more. I, I wish, it. I wish him well, but you know, the, the, his little, his little uh, exit speech and all that kind of stuff. And in reading up yeah. on it, it's like, Oh, they didn't this, and they didn't that. And I see myself as this. And as Trank says, you're going to get there and you might start that way. It isn't going to end that way. No, and, my, and, you know, and, and he can't say he didn't get the minutes. He was getting the top minutes against the top t- the top players and everything like that. Yet the way he plays hockey is more of a defensive style. He's not the one that's driving the play on the offense. And he he had some very good offensive players playing with him. And five on five, they were a very good line. Well, I mean, oh, well, he was given he was given two wingers, one that scores twenty five goals a year, another that scores thirty goals a year, and he was still unable to put up big points. So. That's right. Uh, I don't know where think, he where the offense think, is going to be coming from for him, but he's going to try. 
He maxed out at like 54 points or 53 points was the highest yep. point total and 12 goals. 13. 13. 13. Goals. Come on, man. So, I mean, Jeez. I mean, I'm fine with the center not being a 20 goal scorer, but if you have two wingers that are going to score anywhere from 25 to 30 goals a season, you should be up in the 60, 70 point range if you're centering them. Yeah. And you're not well, going to get that with the roster that, that uh, LA has right now. Not as a, not even as a second line center. No, but anyway, I, wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised that he decided to leave. I mean, he turned down the offer from the Canadians for uh, that was five mil over six if, for six five years. years, five for five, I think, wasn't it? No, I five for six. Yeah, you're right. Five for six. He turned yeah. it down. And then even at the end of the season, it, it was still on the table and he wanted to test anyway. So I'm like, yeah, he, he's probably gone. I personally, I thought five mil was a bit too much for Deneau for what it his, was. And five and a half, I'm glad Montreal didn't uh, up there. I mean, Bergevin is pretty stubborn. He's pretty much, here's the contract, take it or leave it. Well, he's looking Depending ahead. On, yeah, he's looking ahead. He's looking ahead. And, and uh, we, we talked about this, I think, in the last episode. Um, you, I was at about four million for him. You were at about four and a half at the max. Yeah. So, uh, and Matt, I think you were with us on that. Yeah, four and a half, well. five, yeah. Yeah, so... I don't know the term when you're given six years, you don't want to be giving more money than you feel that the role he's going to play three years down the line. So especially if Cockney breaks out and then you have Byron's three and a half million or me is 3.4 million and his 5 million all sitting on the third on the bottom nine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause Suzuki's going to need a contract next year. They still have to sign Kotkaniemi who hasn't signed his deal yet, which I'm thinking is going to be a two year bridge deal anyway, around two and a half to three somewhere. I there. figure him and Lekin are going to get similar deals. Lekin and probably a bit less than what Kotkaniemi is going to get. I figure they're going to split about 5 million bucks between the two of them. Yeah. In some way, like five to five and a half split between the two. That's my expectation. And, um, yeah, and Kotkaniemi, they're expecting him to take a step forward next year where they're going to put him into a second-line role. I mean, here's a guy who, if you compare him to Couturier, um, he's put up similar point totals in his first few seasons, and Couturier is a similar build, a similar style. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Kotkaniemi probably take a 45-point season, play a little bit more two-way, take on some of that role. But this kind of leaves the door open too that I'm expecting Bergevin to go after a center. Yeah, I I totally think he, he kind of hinted that he was going to try to find more uh, offense and more uh, in the way of a trade. Uh, I think he's going to go after a center. I think he might even go try to go after another defenseman, but uh, uh, we'll see. Yeah, so between the three the three centers that are returning, I'm not counting Pocket as a center right now. We're mm. not sure what he's going to play yet. But let's say Palin gets moved up. He's got zero years as a center. And then between the other three, Evans, KK, and Suzuki, we're looking at uh, three, four, five, six years total. So you got six years of experience spread across your entire center depth. I can almost guarantee that there's going to be maybe even Eric Stahl comes back. Like, you know, it's just, he's going to get someone. It's, it's quite possible. And it's going to be like a fourth. It's going to be like a Nate Thompson type role. It's going to be a, yeah. a which I think Cedric Paquette is kind of in right now, but uh, um, 
and he's their most experienced centerman at this point. And I think it's just going to be more for insurance in case KK. Because I, I, honestly, Suzuki, I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about Suzuki whatsoever. I think Suzuki's going to come into his own, and I think we're going to have a, a maybe a, the next Patrice Bergeron in Suzuki. I mean, he plays the same style with him. His defensive game's coming along. He just got to start winning faceoffs. Really, that's the only part of Suzuki's game that's shitting the bed is the faceoffs. The only positive face-off guy out of the bunch is Pocket right now. So yeah. that's someone I think they're going to go look after. I know I know there's some people that feel that face-offs don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but this management team gives a shit about face-offs. So they're going to be finding that. Our personal beliefs don't matter. So if we're projecting what we believe onto the team, we're going to be disappointed all the time. we got to look at how they're going to be doing it. And in this case... They're looking for a face-off guy. I would have liked and got uh, sad, but he did sign with the Blues. So. Yeah, apparently the Canadians weren't offering this, the same um, term, I guess. Yeah, it's a little over four million. Five years, a little over four million a year. Twenty-two yeah. and a half million. And so. and they had that cap space because Mike Hoffman wasn't there anymore. And Matt, where did Mike Hoffman go? Montreal. Really? <laughs> Mike Hoffman went to Montreal. Tell us more. Well, this was one that uh, some people wanted, some people didn't. They, 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 every time you talk about Hoffman, people are going to bring up his girlfriend and all the stuff that happened with uh, uh, tell Eric, his wife. Car- Eric Carlson and all that kind of stuff, right? I won't get into that right now. Um, in the player, you get a guy that really excels on the power play. He sets up shop and he, he just he just blast shots on that. So they're going to use him hopefully in a Weber type role, but not in a Weber type role. To I think be he's, pre- to, he's to be replacing pre- Weber shot, but to but to be the predictable. I don't want them to be that predictable on their power play. But uh, seventeen goals last year, seven on the power play. Year before, twenty nine goals, eleven on the power play. Year before, 36-17 on the power play. So the, the guy's got a very good shot. He's got a very good release. Um, his defensive game is definitely a work in progress. When And when you when you play that style of game, that's usually what ends up happening. Um, but this is a guy that's going to give you at least 20 goals, maybe even 30. Um, I don't mind the contract. Um, they uh, Apparently, they were very close with St. Louis. And uh, Montreal kind of came into the last second and, and said, hey, we'll give you a little bit more. So I don't really like the fact that he's making a little bit more than Toffoli, but it's only 250K more. It's not a million more. So I can it's deal one, with it. And it's one year less than what Toffoli got too. So. Yeah. So, you know what? Three-year deal. I'll take it. You can play both wings and it'll, uh, it'll provide a guy like Suzuki options. It'll provide a guy like, Evans options. It'll provide a guy like Kakaniemi options. The only thing is, other than Suzuki, I kind of, I, I I'm not gonna say I'm afraid, but like, who's gonna give these? Who's gonna pass the puck to these guys? Kakaniemi can play up to a certain point, but he goes stretches of games where he does nothing. And if if they're trying to rely on him as a second line center, that's a little bit of a red flag. And then people are talking about bringing Paling up. Paling is very unproven. And we can talk about all we can talk about all we want about how Paling did this year and how he's looked and everything like that. But 
another guy very much injury prone player. Um, he put up very good points last year though. And he looked very good. And he looked like he took the next step at the AHL level. Is that going to translate into the NHL? Who knows? Well, and, and here's the thing. The, there's, there was some chatter online about comparing this off season to the 2017 off season and how the exodus of players in 2017 forced the Canadian's hand to bring in lesser replacements. I don't see that this year. It, Weber went down. We, we've lost Weber. Uh, to replace his role, they bring in Savard. We've talked about him. Savard covers the defensive side. Then, then they, bring in, they bring in Hoffman, who on the power play is going to be that shooter, probably up on the point who's going to move up and down. He's going to play it differently than Weber. So but, they brought in so so my opinion they brought in Hoffman for the power play yeah. and they also brought him in mostly to replace Tatar, yes. but they're going to lose Tatar's defensive game. That's right? right. So it's a little bit of a a give and take, right? But I'm okay with that because Hoffman's going to score more than Tatar would. He should. He should. Tatar's years in Montreal are a bit of an outlier for his career. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His his point total kind of went up, but he also played more minutes than what he did everywhere else that he played. Um, like, I mean, Huffman's going to now give you a shot. If you put him on the same power play with Caulfield, you now have an, a, a shot threat on either side of the ice. And yep. that's what's going to make Montreal's power play hopefully better if they figure out how to get it into the zone. Um, and Hoffman's and, good at doing that as well. Correct. So, I mean, you get Hoffman to bring the puck in. You got him on the left side. You got Caulfield on the right side. That box is going to be like, well, where's the shot coming from? When before it was, all right, the shot's either coming from Caulfield or it's coming from Weber. So we'll just, where if the puck goes to Caulfield, we'll play hard on him. No one else is shooting, right? Yeah. So He's another guy that's going to shoot. He shoots the puck a lot too, right? Yeah. So we see that with a lot of the wingers that they currently have. So their, 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 their shot totals, which are already pretty damn high, are going to go up even more. Um, Mont- I said Montreal. it's just at, at the center position. That's just what I'm kind of afraid of right now. On the wing, they have the potential to have 40, 30 goal scorers. 44, yeah. 30 goal scorers. Yeah, they do. The potential. With yeah. Caulfield, Anderson could probably go there if he's paired up with the right people. Yep. Uh, Gallagher. Gallagher and Huffman have already scored 30. Uh, you got Caulfield, who could score 30. I'm not saying he will. I'm saying he has the, he has the ability, if, he, if, he, if he, everything goes right for him, to score his 30. I say he and, gets 25 this year. And uh, Anderson, Anderson is another guy with a full season and a, a good center with him. He could, he could possibly get close to 30 goals. So you at least you have, in, you throw in Armia who will probably get around 15 and then Byron. If, well, if Armia is healthy, if, Mar- if Armia was healthy his first two years, he was on pace for 20 goals, well, but he, but injuries yeah, yeah. knocked him out. Yeah. But playing so, on a third, fourth line, I don't think you'll get the opportunity. Which is why I'm expecting 15 from him and 15 from guys like Byron, maybe 10 to 15 from Lekin in, you know, so you got some scoring that's going to be spread out along, along there. Matt's right though. The center position is the one that's, that's the question mark. And it's not, not lack of skill. No, it's not lack of, it's not lack of skill. It really isn't. But um, I I really like how the Jake Evans, his game has really evolved. Yeah. Um, for a guy that was a seventh round pick for him to, to do what he's been doing. It's, it's fantastic. However, is he ready to jump into a role similar to Deneau and, and playing a shutdown role? Because 
we saw with Deneau, it was real easy when you played against the Lions, you, you played against the Crosbys and the Bergerons and stuff like that. You knew who the you knew who the matching was. You knew who the matchup was. I, I think you're going to see Suzuki in more of a playing more of a the top menace in the shutdown role. Personally, I think you're going to see Suzuki in that role more than you're going to see Evans. More than likely. You're going to see that, spread it, out. But, it, but, it, but is that going to shy away from his offensive game? I don't think so. No, he's, I, been, I, he's he's been he's been trending that way. So. Yeah. And, yeah, and and a big question mark for me, like I know we're getting a little bit off of the free agent talk now, but um, like Jonathan Drouin, like what's going on with him? He's supposed wait, to be back. back, right? Like, where's he gonna like? You look Irvine. at all the wingers right now, and then the guy that's the the guy that they still need to sign, they still need to sign Lekin, and they still got Byron on the on the uh, on on a contract as well. Like, where are you gonna put all these wingers? That's why I think there's a trade coming. Right. I Well, there's definitely a trade. There has to be a trade coming. Uh, well, there doesn't have to be. But, I mean, if you look at the lines, I mean, if you want a true offensive line, you got Drew and Suzuki and Caulfield, right? Then you then you get a second line of, say, Kotniemi, Toffoli, and Anderson. And then you have a third line of Evans, I guess, and Gallagher and Huffman. So you now have three lines with quality wingers on every line. Now you can't complain that uh, – you can never complain that Cottenham is not going to get good wingers because they have their top. <laughs> they do. Nine, they do. Their top three lines all are good wingers. So yeah, yeah, they do. But like, if we talk, <laughs> if we start, like, if we start talking about matchup lines and everything like that, there's no way I'd be putting Drew on a matchup line. No, no, I don't think Drew is going. I don't think that line's going to be a line. I don't. Right? I think so, you're going to have either a Huffman or a Toffoli on a line with. I think. Uh, I, I think they're looking for another center, and I think one of these yeah, wingers yeah. moves for another center or. They go in the bargain bin of UFAs don't and they sh- and they plop somebody out. Don't be shocked if Montreal's still in on Eichel. Don't be shocked. Yeah. Well, that's that, that's one thing that we were going to get to here in a minute. I just want to finish my thought on the 2017 yeah. versus 2021 comparison. Yep. Yeah, yeah. In 2017, the difference between that year and this year, these off seasons, is one massive thing. Prospects. The Canadians yeah. actually have youth moving up <clears throat> 2017 they didn't have caulfield coming up or a suzuki or a kotkaniemi <clears throat> excuse me a paling evans romanov like these are young guys that are pushing for positions people have been screaming let the kids play well here you go so if you were complaining about the kids not getting any ice time before and then you're now you're complaining that it's like 2017 then I'm sorry. I don't know why you're complaining because you're getting what you asked for. Well, that's just the thing you brought up. There is people complaining that we're center depth is we have no, we lose to know we have no center depth, but then they complain that cotton Emmy and Evans and them guys aren't getting enough ice times. Well, which yeah. one do you want? Like you're not, if you keep to know, if you keep to know cotton Emmy's not getting second line minutes. I'm sorry. Do you, not. Do you remember all the complaining when Plekinets was being pushed out by Deno? Yeah, I do. And then Deno stepped in, took over. Now it's Suzuki's turn, and Evans, and Paling, and Kotkaniemi. Yeah. When were you ever able to name four centermen that could push for NHL jobs in a Montreal Canadiens uniform at once? I think I, I, I think Bergevin, as I said, I think he's going to look at I think he's going to look at a, a trade option for one yeah. of these winger, and if he can't, he's going to look at UFAs. There's a couple guys out there right now that I can see. They're veteran guys, let's just say that. But they're they're guys that I can see uh, Bergevin taking a uh, taking a shot at. One of them being Bozak. Stall for uh, sure. 
stall for sure. But Bozak's a guy, and if you want to talk about faceoffs uh, for his career, he's almost fifty-four percent. But uh, you'll also look at it like I mentioned Eichel. I don't know if you want to yeah. go on to the next. Yeah, one. go on to Eichel because it was talked about today on uh, by Elliot Friedman. I, I think they're still in on Eichel. I yep. think Montreal's playing the waiting game like every other team for Buffalo to realize you're not going to get the asking price that you want. And I do believe Cotton Yemi is going to be part of that trade. I think so. I think and so. I'm okay with that. If you're getting Eichel, I'm okay with losing Cotton Yemi. I like Cotton Yemi. Yep. I have a Cotton Yemi jersey. Uh, so it makes sense that he's going to get traded. Um, however, what I don't like is Romanoff might be in there too. So that would be a, that would be more painful, I think, for team depth than Kotkaniemi. Right. Uh, so today, Elliot Friedman was on the radio and he he mentioned, uh, I think it was in Toronto, Toronto's radio, talked about how the Canadians had sent an offer in and Buffalo responded with calling it a low ball offer. So clearly Buffalo has got a very, very high price to get Eichel out of Buffalo because they want to look like they've won the trade. But you got a guy with a neck injury who doesn't want to be there anymore uh, on a team that's clearly trying to tank. So you're right. With a high contract. With a high contract. With a high contract. So I honestly, I'm with you, Treg. I think Bergeron is playing the waiting game because how many other teams have the assets and the cap space to bring him in. Not many. New Toronto. Jersey, maybe Toronto. New Jersey. Toronto. <laughs> it's always Toronto. It could be New Jersey. I mean, yeah, New Jersey could. But does New it, Jersey it, want to do a deal like that when they're just starting to come out of it, that rebuild? Arizona could. Uh, not after taking on all that money. No, but I'm just saying, Arizona got the prospects if they want to throw prospects at them. Oh, wait, no, they didn't get – oh, yeah, I guess they did. They, didn't they just drafted. picked up some great prospects in a tra- uh, trading a, a Kemper. Well, if Montreal wants to get rid of a defensive prospect, they got this Mayu guy that's supposed to be pretty good on the ice. So, Aguli, Mayu, <laughs> Harris, uh, you know, the, the list Ruble, goes on. Norlander, Romanov. Yeah, and they've but, got I mean, a ton of picks. I'm telling everyone now, and I'm not a magic ball, I'm not not from listening to Free. I think Montreal's still in on Eichel, and I think I would not be shocked if Eichel ends up in Montreal. I don't think he'll be playing for the half of the season because I think he's gonna get a surgery on his neck. But I'm okay with and I'm okay with Cotton Yemi going the other way. I'm okay with it. You're upgrading your center. You now have Eichel's gonna be your one center and Suzuki's gonna be your two center. You had Evans and whoever as your third, fourth. I'm okay with that. And if yeah. somehow Bergevin gets it without getting rid of any of his guys, then I will make an altar shrine of him in my uh, my Canadians room here because that would be one hell of a steal. I'm sure that there'll be more salary attached to any deal, perhaps even a Drouin going to Buffalo. Byron, maybe. Byron. The Canadians have the assets that could make that deal happen. Suzuki is not going to be one of those assets. Caulfield is oh, not going to be. Suzuki and Caulfield are off the board. Yeah. I, I would hope to say Romanov too, but I don't think he is. Or a I guy like Eichel. But don't, I, I'm tired of these people going on about, oh, I don't want to lose KK. I would lose Cotton Yemi in a second for Eichel. In a second. Yep. Nothing against Cotton Yemi, but he is never going to be the center that Eichel is and will be. He might, be, well, Cotton Yemi is going to turn into a really good centerman who's going to, and he's a proven playoff performer. We've seen it. 
we know he's going to step his game up. But you have Suzuki. He does have more goals than Eichel in the playoffs. <laughs> so uh, I've got the same number of goals in the playoffs as Eichel. <laughs> Matt throwing down the facts. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you have a Suzuki and you hold on to him and you add Eichel to him, that is a better one too than Suzuki and Kotkaniemi. For sure. And if somehow you keep Kotkaniemi, look at you got the you probably have the best three. You probably have the best top nine forward group in the NHL. I don't think that would happen, but yeah, exactly. I don't think it would happen either. I'm just saying if you could, like if that's why I would build a shrine to Bergevin because that'd be a <laughs> hell of a fucking steal if he got Eichel for mm-hmm. something like Drew in fucking Norlander in a first round or something stupid. Yeah, but. Uh, it's not. I mean, I know on Twitter everyone's saying it's going to be Paling, Drew, and Byron in a first round pick. That's going to get us uh, third Eichel. round pick. They don't even give up first round picks. So, Come on, uh, I'm a, if uh, if we get him for that, I'm I'm we're, I'm dancing in the street. You know, I I already know what the uh, the package deal is going to be. Ryder, Halak, in a second, <laughs> guaranteed. But uh, anyway, uh, moving on. I I Dvorak would be another good pickup. For Montreal, if they, yes, if they can't get and Eichel he's Devor, still available. His name is still being circulated. Uh, someone who I think could be had for a decent, a decent uh, cost. And that's Arizona, right? That's right. So they're taking bad contracts anyway. So throw him one. Well, he's making about four point two five a year, but he's a good young centerman. So the Canadians are going to have to give up something decent, like a paling, a picks, you know, that kind of idea. Maybe, sure. maybe even like it. Done. If you want a good young center who can win face-offs, there's a guy. Because he's got some experience. He does win face-offs. And I think that would fit your fit what you're looking for there, Matt. We'll see. We'll see. Like, we, 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 in, a, in a perfect world, they bring in Eichel. They bring in uh, Dvorak. They bring in whoever. Um, uh, but as the season gets closer and closer, if these, if these deals don't get made – that's when you're going to see the Bozaks, the uh, Derek Stepan, something like that. You're going to see you're going to see a, a veteran guy come in, and they're just going to bet on their guys. Uh, Bergevin even said that he's ready to he's ready to play with the lineup he has or with the guys that he has. So, w- will that be great for development? Could be. Could be. An, it could be a negative. I, you obviously hope that if uh, if Kakaniemi is the guy as, as the two C, that he's ready to take that jump. He's got the win, and we've already discussed it. He's got the people that are going to be able to give him the points. He just needs to be able to get them the puck. Yeah, I think, they, I think they've got uh, enough pieces to play a support role for the young guys, uh, as is, but I, I do think they're going to be making more moves before yeah. the – And with Kakaniemi, um, one more thing on him. Like This is another guy that we saw – when the when the games mattered most, he was in the press box, and he and he and he talked about it in his uh, outgoing presser that that he was disappointed. So I'm hoping that he uses that as motivation and comes back and and, and takes that next step. Kotkaniemi's biggest issue is his inconsistency. Yeah, yeah. and that stems that stems from his uh, his strength is is lower lower body and core strength and conditioning, which yeah. should come in this off season. And, and Bergevin said he wants more north-south game, meaning I don't want him to do too much out there. And that's what he tries to do. He tries to do too much. Yeah. <clears throat> play north-south. You you're going to have good wingers. Just play your game. And that's when he does his best. 
is when he's playing a simple game. Uh, all right, so we're going to finish off the show with the the odds and ends here. The Canadians have still been busy making other signatures and bringing on bringing in a lot of local flavor. Um, so all these lesser known players like uh, Jean Sebastien Dia and all those other types that we've seen Laval bring in, and these are all just depth moves. It's minor league stuff. It's all it's for. I mean, they're, they lost a few guys from Laval, so they're just trying to. And then if, I mean, they're all two-way contracts, and if they don't fit in, and, and this is going to push some guys that were in Laval last year that probably shouldn't have been down to the uh, the Lions there in uh, Trois-Rivier. And yeah. So it, it's just basically, you, you, it's, I think he's just trying to fill out the the uh, Lions roster now, if you ask me. So. And he's doing it by, by bringing in local yeah. Well, they lost. Packers. They lost what? Blandisi, right? Blandisi left or Lucini left? One of the other. Blandisi left. Blandisi <laughs> left, and Jordan Wheel uh, went to the KHL. So you bring in a guy like Dia or D, whatever the hell you say his name. Um, you got Belzil back as well, um, and he's healthy. So Lavalier. Yeah. So you got yeah you got Harvey Pennard, et cetera. Like these are guys that are going to be able to jump up and take the next step. Um, My sack might be a, able to play there. That's what I was just about to say because he's he's he played over twenty games. Yeah. So um, Tanguli yeah. might be there. He could maybe. Be. No. Oh, he wouldn't be able to because he didn't no. play that many games. Yeah. He only yeah. played four. Yeah. But those didn't count games. either. He played because uh, I don't think they counted because he played because the that little WH in the, the WHL, the WHL didn't. That's why that's why Meshack played because yeah. the OHL yeah, didn't. But play. I thought they, uh, but I thought it was uh, just a special thing they were doing for this heat last year. But so, if you played more think, than twenty games, then you can play this year. Yeah, like Trois Rivieres, it's, it's a very good thing that Trois Rivieres went out and they there they have a team. It's gonna it's gonna provide that organizational depth that you can go. You might even see some guys from Trois Rivieres, you know, do the whole David Day or anything and, and move up. Um, Another one that's a kind of an interesting signing for Trois Rivieres. They brought in Oliver Gallopo, and yep. we talked about him a long time ago. He was uh, brought in. Everyone thought he was going with the Canadians. He was lighting it up as a defenseman in the queue. Um, then he ended up signing with Boston, and that really went nowhere. And now, uh, after a few years, I think with Fort Wayne, and now he's with with Trois Rivieres. So it's a it, it, it's a good it's a good thing to have. Is, is everyone's talking about uh, bringing in more local players, local players, local players. And Montreal's really doing that with Trois-Rivières. And uh, we're seeing that uh, as well with with, uh, with Laval. Yeah, and Belpedio is another guy that they brought yeah. in, a right-handed defenseman. He um, he has NHL experience. He can be an, emer- an emergency call-up. He is basically there to replace what Fleury was doing. Fleury is that guy that they was playing in Laval and was – they were able to call up and that's all Belpedio is going to be. He's the emergency call up guy. He's going to be uh, probably playing top pair minutes in Laval, giving a, giving Brooke a little bit of a, a reprieve on the defensive side to let him work on his game a little bit more. Cause Brooke, I think if he's, if he's given a full AHL season, I think next year he'll be able to compete for an NHL job. If he stays on defense. And he will with the amount of people they've signed and brought in. Yeah. Barring fifty friggin' injuries, yeah, I did again. not. I did not like. I did not like that. Yeah, well, with different coaches coming in now, yeah, so that's true. We'll see a different approach. 
So I, I do. Oh, sorry. I just yeah, want to no, say, um, I did have, there was some sad Montreal news today. Uh, Charlie Lindgren signed with the St. Louis blues. Um, so we're now lose. clearly we know who's going to be playing against the Leafs in the cup final. Yeah. Um, so yes, don't so, forget. Yeah. So Jordan Bennington, your days are numbered. <laughs> yeah. Cause <laughs> St. Louis, Charlie Lindgren always plays bad when St. Louis loses. That's right. Forget his they, numbers. They they tend to do it a lot when he's playing. <laughs> um, For know, some reason, I just, I just wanted to bring that up. So Jordan Biddington, I hope you uh, you work on your conditioning this off season because you're gonna you're gonna be playing a lot of games. The, the all halves crew is very upset. Yeah, Charlie well, Lindgren is gone. They tend to be. Yeah. Well, it, he's been reunited with their other favorite player, Jacob Delarose. Exactly. But isn't he gone now too? Yeah. <laughs> Oh no! Isn't he, isn't he gone from St. Louis? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, we'll get into the comparisons of all the teams in a in a future show. But as of right now, um, all the doom and gloom that the Canadians are going to finish dead last. You know, I think we can hold off on that. I don't think they've fallen so far behind the other teams that there, there's no hope. There's still work to be done. There's still work to be done. Exactly. The, but the, the foundation is there. They still need they still need to add some pieces here and there. I'd like to see them move it, or I like to see them possibly bring in another defenseman, but we'll see. I don't think I don't think that's a priority right now with the with the with the players they have. I think they're really uh, betting on uh, Weidman. And Romanov taking up the taking a taking the next step, and then Savard obviously eating a lot of minutes. But for me, I think the, the it's it's going to be a trade, and it's going to be a center. Yeah, I think a centers they're going to be their focus. I, I would prefer it to be a big name puck moving defenseman on the left side, but they're they're doubling down on what gave them playoff success these last couple of years, and that's their their heavy defense. So, and you look at the teams that have been winning the last three uh, three four seasons. That's how they've done it. We could always just flip PK Subban stick around. Could you there could, you but you. the thing is, the Canadians have to make the playoffs before their heavy defense can be effective. That's right. That's right. So there's still, I I agree, there's still some work that needs to get done. But right now, I think the bones are there for a good season. I don't, I don't think it's going to be Stanley Cup Finals season. I think we're going to take a step back from that. But well, it, they yeah. could do it. They could. They could make the playoffs. They could look pretty good. Maybe win a couple rounds. Right now, yeah. There's, 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 there's teams within the division that have that have taken a step back, and we got to remember that they're obviously they're going to be back to playing in their division. Yeah, like Toronto and Tampa right. Bay and Florida. Like Ottawa, Ottawa was back. just a pain in the balls, right? Buffalo has you know name maybe four players in the NHL that actually you know actually can play. And they've taken a huge step back, but it always seems that every time Montreal plays them, they suck. Same right, thing as so. so. Um, we're gonna do. So, uh, Treg has to go. He's got uh, he's got jobs to do, people to people to mock, pants to find. So I guess we'll we'll just end the show here. Um, we've pretty much covered off everything. We are going to have another episode later in the weekend. We'll talk about all the. Um, the social aspects of the Canadians that happened this week. We didn't want to get into it th- today just because we didn't have a lot of time. So 
Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, I want to thank everyone for their engagement with us online. Um, all our new followers, thanks to uh, Matt pushing the, uh, the Funko Pops and all that. They've stuck with us, so thank you for that. And um, uh, oh, there's a new... If anybody wants to sponsor us, like with actual money, that'd be great. Yes, that would be awesome. Um, so just send uh, just send e-transfers to habsunfiltered.outlook.com. We'll be happy to take your money. If you don't send the money and you just listen, we'll do. Uh, we we like that too. Uh, so all right. Um, remember to use code unfi- uh, password uh, the passcode unfiltered twenty when going to Built Bar to save 10%. Uh, East Coast Lifestyle, use Unfiltered 20 to save 20%. And use Unfiltered 20 to at uh, Seat Giant and save 35% on your fees, especially now with uh, baseball season starting to really ramp up for the, uh, the push. Save some money, go to a ball game. Uh, CFL starting up, buy some CFL tickets. 35% off of CFL tickets, what, about 10 cents, 15 cents? I didn't know CFL was still a thing. <laughs> August 5th, my friend, game one, Owls versus Elks. <laughs> All right, uh, so I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank uh, everyone for uh, signing up for the Matt Smith Un- Habs Unfiltered OnlyFans page, which is our big money maker. And uh, please remember, uh, if you are talking about it, so are we. Have you ever needed a fragrance that matches your every social media post? Well, if you're on Twitter after dark and feel a little angry, you can wear Fire Perky. This fragrance is available on every social media site. Fire Perky. On every message board. Fire Perky. So when you need to smell like your social media accounts take a bath in. Fire Perky. You'll need no other fragrance. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. 
Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.